Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. Well, if you were with us back in the fall and came to the Thanksgiving gathering celebration time, uh, we did it a little bit differently this year. And we had a... Sam, can you grab me the flip chart as well, please? Or I think it was Sam. There he is. Um, We had a potluck dinner over in our activity center. And the way that worked is we gathered together to have dinner together but different members, we, everybody who comes brings something to contribute to that dinner. And so the way that we worked it is something like uh, people with certain last names from A to F or whatever bring a salad. And people from whatever comes after F, I can't remember right now, <laughs> to, 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 to whatever. They, what is it? F, A, B, C, D, E, F. See, I got to go through the whole thing to figure out what's after F. Um, Anyway, we're off to a bad start this morning. So, um, the next group of people, the next group of people, uh, brings some sort of side dish. Uh, maybe it's letters T through Z. Bring dessert. I knew that because I was a T, so I was a dessert. And, and everybody contributes something to the time when we gather together and we have this giant dinner. And one thing that you know, you never know quite what to expect when you get there, but you know that you will leave full. And it's a a pretty cool deal. It really dawned on me that this week that maybe one of the reasons potlucks are kind of famous for churches is because they really are a little bit of a metaphor of how churches operate. We operate together. We're one. We're one in terms of accomplishing God's purposes, his goal. We want his purposes to live through us. And yet each one of us are different. We bring something different to the mix, different empowerments by God. And it's an incredible picture of what the church is. Uh, We're working our way through Ephesians chapter 4. For a little bit of background, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Paul is writing the book of Ephesians to the people in Ephesus. There's going to be a map up on the screens. Uh, Paul is in Rome. He's probably under house arrest there, probably not locked in a dungeon. Uh, But because the threat that he was to the Roman government and Caesar being Lord, uh, Paul's message that Jesus is Lord is a threat to them. And so he's under house arrest in Rome. Uh, Earlier, he had visited Ephesus. He had started a church there. He can't visit there because he's under house arrest. So he's writing the letter of Ephesians to the people in Ephesus. Now, generally, scholars think that this is what they call a circular letter. Uh, So it was directly to the people of Ephesus, but it was probably read by a greater surrounding group of people as well, probably circulated among some of the churches that were local to the town of Ephesus. I say that simply because when I read scripture, it's helpful for me to kind of like see geographically where things happen, where Rome is, where Paul is writing from, where the town of Ephesus, where that's located, because we need to read scripture with our imaginations, not pretending that it happened, but placing ourselves in the story. That's what we do when we use our imaginations. We place ourselves actually in the story of what's happening. Uh, Just again, for a little bit of background, uh, the book of 
Ephesians is in the New Testament, and uh, there's going to be a slide up here with the first number of books in the New Testament. The New Testament is the second part of your Bible that sort of gives the account of when Jesus came, as well as the rippling impact after that. So the New Testament begins with four what we call Gospels, where Gospel means good news. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. After that comes the book of Acts. Uh, the full name is Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we noted a couple weeks ago, it's not the musings of the Apostles. It's not the theology of the apostles, even though theology is important. It's the acts of the apostles. In other words, when Jesus ascended after his work on earth, his followers swung into action. They did acts. And so it's what the apostles did after Jesus ascended. Uh, following that, we have a number of letters. Uh, these were written by the Apostle Paul to different towns and churches that he visited. And so there's Romans, there's Corinthians, there's two books, there's two letters of Corinthians, one and two. There's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And again, the only way I still to this day I remember the order of that is I remember General Electric Power Company. That's General Elect Gen Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's the only way I can remember that. And literally to this day, before I go through those uh, four books, that's the acronym that I use to figure out the order. Uh, so we're actually going to say these together because one of our goals is for us as a congregation to know the Bible, to know scripture can be a daunting task. Um, but if you actually begin to know these opening books of the New Testament, you actually have memorized over half of the books of the New Testament, which is pretty cool. So in the count of three, uh, we're going to start and we're going to say together Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll just say the word Acts. We won't say the whole word Acts of the Apostles. When we get to Corinthians, we won't mention the one and two. We'll just say Corinthians. Make sense? Here we go. Uh, one, two, three. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Awesome. Let's do it again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you get them down, you actually know over half of the books in the New Testament, which is pretty cool. Um, not counting the first and second, but that, they're easy because they're just first and second. Um, so we said scripture has one unified story. We've been focused on that, on that a lot. That's one of our themes for Built Together 2025, that scripture is one unified story. We're not going to be talking about the whole thing this morning, uh, but we're going to be focusing on some stuff right here. It's one unified story, but just kind of like a potluck dinner. It has 66 books of various genres. So it's one story, but there's 66 books. Uh, that includes poetry, it includes narrative, history writing. It includes apocalyptic, like we saw in Revelation. There are over 40 plus authors from a variety of different backgrounds. So it's not like one guy wrote this. Uh, 40 different people contributed to the 66 books that we have in our Bible. It was written over 1,500 years and so it's not as though, you know, somebody who wrote the earlier part of the Old Testament kind of collaborated with the person who wrote the end part of the New Testament. It covers over 1,500 years of history that the 40-plus authors wrote the 66 books of the Bible. There are over 10 civilizations. It takes, it takes place over three different continents. So it's pretty expansive. It's written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And so just like a potluck dinner, uh, there's 
one story, there's one theme, and yet there's multiple parts that fit into that theme. In Ephesians chapter 4, the verses that we looked at earlier, verses 1 through 6, Paul mentions kind of the oneness of what it means to be followers of Jesus together in his church. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. There's one body and one spirit. And by the way, just to emphasize this again, the word one is mentioned seven times in these few verses. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Paul mentions the unity, the oneness of what God is up to. God is not scattered. And when you look at the Bible, there's lots of different pieces. God is not scattered. There's not pieces all over the place. There's one story. There's one God. There's one Father. There's one faith. There's one baptism. We're called the one hope. We're part of one body. So there's a sense of oneness. And notice, Paul says, who is over all, through all, and in all. That's where we get our series theme, gloriously woven. That the presence of God is woven over all, through all, and in all, through God's people, the church. Sometimes we can kind of get a little bit sideways as followers of Jesus, and here's the reason. We kind of think that just believing in the existence of God is enough. I forget most recent stats, but around, I think, 90%, 95% of the world's population is somehow religious and believes some kind of God. Our focus isn't to simply believe in the existence of God. What's so amazing about that verse of Christ being over all, through all, and in all, is not just that God is existent, but that he's present. And so the uniqueness of Christianity is not just that God exists, but he's also present in the story of Scripture. Yeah, of course God exists. Most people, 95% or so, believe that. But the uniqueness of Scripture is, God doesn't just exist, but he's actually present in the person of Christ. He actually walked the planet. He's present with us. And that's the uniqueness. His presence is expressed in the church. When we gather together, we sing to the glory of God in the presence of Christ and through the presence of Christ. When we read scripture When we pray, when we give money, when we talk to one another, we do so to the glory of God, knowing that the presence of Christ is woven through it. We have interest groups here, groups who do different kinds of things. So we play soccer, we play volleyball, we play softball to the glory of God, knowing that the presence of Christ is woven through it. We baptize people in a few weeks. We have church lunches together. We have potlucks. We grill hamburgers. We have picnics out in the lawn. We do all of that to the glory of God, knowing that the presence of Christ is over all, through all, and in all. We don't just believe God exists. Like, that's not a big deal. We actually believe God is present in all things. That the way we, as we talked about last week, the way that we regard each other's male and female, that that's woven through with the presence of Christ. How we live our lives sexually, 
the entertainment that we enjoy, what we do online, our social media, what we watch on TV. We don't just believe God exists somewhere out there, but that he's present. His presence gloriously woven through all of those things as his people. Does that make sense? And so it's a big deal, not that God exists, but that everything is gloriously woven with his presence. Well, Paul goes on. It's not just one giant, monolithic, monochromatic, monotone entity that God is up to. Instead, what we find is his work is multifaceted and multidimensional. It's diverse. And so Ephesians 4, 7 and following The oneness of God, what he's up to, one faith, one baptism, one spirit. What's emphasized next is that it's multidimensional, that we're each unique, that we contribute uniquely, just kind of like a potluck dinner. So Leah's going to come up, and she's going to read Ephesians 4, uh, 7 through 16. And you can hear right away in the beginning of, yes, we're one, but there's also differentness. There's multidimensionalness. There's uniqueness. So, Leah, uh, read Ephesians 4 for us. Verse 7. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Thank you, Leah. So we're going to dive in. Notice again, verse 6. Remember, there's seven ones there. Notice verse 7 starts out, and it has the word one in it as well, but it's a different sense. Earlier, Paul talks about one baptism, one faith, talks about the unity of things. Now he says in Ephesians 4, 7, but to each one. Say those two capitalized words with me at the beginning of of this verse. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Paul says... Each one of us individually, each one of us uniquely has received grace from God. And he goes on to mention that that grace has given us a way in which we're to serve him. Now, now some kind of fascinating things at the way this works. And by the way, I'm kind of high maintenance this morning, but forgive me for that. Uh, 
the word grace is a Greek word, not just kind of like the transliteration, kind of like what it looks like in English. The word grace is the word charis in the New Testament. Uh, that's how it kind of looks transliterated in English. That means grace. And grace is the unmerited kindness of God. What we know is that if you belong to Christ, if you belong to God, you belong to him through God's grace. It's not because you're super religious and it's not because you're a super moral person. It's because God's grace has been given in sending Jesus. Jesus has taken on himself the curse of our sin and darkness and given us the life of God. That comes through the work of God. It's a work of grace. It's a work of his kindness through Christ. That makes sense? So that's cars. It's, we would call it saving grace. We belong to God through his kindness to us, expressed in Christ Jesus, so that we belong to him. Well, the word gift, there's a couple of words translated gift in New Testament, but one of the words, one of the more prominent ones, is this, charisma. Well, as soon as I write that, you can see what? Charis in charisma. Charisma is gifts. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 6, you can see this happening right in this verse. It says, we have different gifts, charisma, we have different charisma according to the grace, charis, given to each of us. So God in his kindness gives us charis, grace that rescues us from our darkness, rescues us from evil, makes, enables us to belong to God through Christ, but also, this is pretty amazing, God's kindness not only saves you, but also gives you capacity to serve him. In other words, you have both saving grace as well as serving grace. It's pretty amazing because most of us never think of the way that God has blessed us to uniquely serve him as an expression of his kindness to you. You are gifted to uniquely serve God as an expression of his kindness to you. We have saving grace, but we also have serving grace. It's incredibly rich how that works out. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and by the way, just... Paul's metaphor is a body. We used the metaphor of a potluck dinner earlier. Paul's using the metaphor of a body, just as one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So in Romans chapter 12, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives numbers of explanations of different gifts or capacities that God in his kindness gives to people for his church, for his body to be strengthened. His list is probably not exhaustive. It's probably simply a, a cross-section of the various ways that people serve. But notice what he says. He says, each member belongs to all the others. In other words, 
It's just radically counterculture. Because where our culture is, you only exist for me to be happy. That's kind of our modern cultural philosophy. You only exist to affirm me. You only exist to validate me. And if you fail to validate me, then I lash out at you. That's the way modern culture works. The culture that Jesus is describing is exactly the opposite. He says we actually belong to one another. In other words, I exist to serve you and strengthen you. You exist to serve me and strengthen me. By the way, just a little aside here. We're always thrilled to do online services. We know we have a number of incapacitated people, people who are traveling, vacations, etc. They tune in, people from a distance. So we're thrilled with that. We love that. And just where the proliferation of the gospel is, it makes its way out however it gets there. But we also don't want that to minimize the beauty and importance of gathering together Because if we only watch online when we could actually be gathered together, you don't belong to me very well. And I don't belong to you very well. Like It's pretty amazing that in in a small sense, the person seated beside you, behind you, and in front of you actually belongs to you in in this moment. When you decided to come here this morning, you decided not to belong to yourself. When you woke up and made the commitment to gather together, you said this morning, I'm not going to belong to myself. I'm going to belong to the body. And someone beside me, someone in front of me, someone in back of me, someone on the other side of the room, actually received strength by us gathering together Because as members, we belong to one another. It's pretty amazing how that works. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So Paul uses three different words there. He talks about gifts, he talks about service, and he talks about working. So this isn't some sort of tight mechanical thing. This is just the beauty of all of these ways that we interact, interrelate, impact one another, that somehow it all contributes to the same God being at work in all of us. Maybe just leaves us with a question. Do you ever minimize the kindness of God and what he's given you to serve his purposes in this world? Are you kind of in tune that God's kindness to you is not just the grace that comes through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But are you also in tune that his kindness to you is expressed to you in gifts, ways that you serve, ways that we work together? Do we sometimes minimize that? 
Or do you maximize the kindness of God to you in giving you the ability and the uniqueness to serve however he's gifted and enabled you? Each person, everyone, each one has one. Verse 8 of Ephesians 4. Paul says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives. And again, these two all caps words gave gifts to his people. Each one, those were the first two words we looked at, he gave gifts. In other words, he, he gave gifts for his purposes and his cause to be fulfilled. Now, before we dive into that, um, this last week and the week coming up is kind of significant when it comes to the storyline of Scripture. Again, we've been through all of this thing and kind of details in various ways, uh, but this morning we're mostly focused kind of in this area here. This last Thursday was actually Ascension Day. Ascension Day is celebrated 40 days after Easter. And so uh, in the incarnation, Jesus comes. He's born in Bethlehem's manger. We celebrate that on Christmas. Uh, he's crucified. We celebrate Good Friday. He, he's risen from the dead. We celebrate Easter. Uh, 40 days after Jesus is raised from the dead, he ascends to heaven. And then next Sunday, on Memorial Day, the 28th, we actually celebrate Pentecost because Pentecost is 50 days after Jesus is raised from the dead when he sends the Holy Spirit to empower his body to continue their acts of service. Now, let me just kind of give you a perspective here. So we exist right in this season of time. Paul is writing this letter right around here. He's writing after Pentecost. He's writing to these people who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And he's challenging them and encouraging them to, to understand that God has given them different unique gifts and capacities to be of service to him. Now, again, sometimes when it comes to church, we can get very microscopic. And pastors, and I certainly have done this, and it's, it, it's okay. But we can stand up and say, like, hey, like, we need people to serve. And it sounds like you're just filling this little itty-bitty role. Like every organization needs volunteers. Church is no different. We need volunteers, et cetera, et cetera. Just kind of get a hold of this. In this season of time, the Holy Spirit indwells followers of Jesus. Uh, the word that we have up here is expansion. Meaning that during this season of time, as the Holy Spirit indwells followers of Jesus... As he dwells in them, the mission of Jesus, the cause of Jesus, expands in our world. Geographically, it expands, every, it expands in disciplines. It expands in the arts. It expands in the entertainment. It expands in music. It expands in work. It's, the gospel is constantly expanding. So when Jesus gives gifts, it's not just to this little organizational church. He gives gifts to enable the expansion of his cause. He gives gifts to, listen to this, he gives gifts so that the acts that we do can continue to follow. And so we don't want to stand up with a whiny voice and say, like, hey, can you please, like, uh, no. Like, it's not just, it's not just a little volunteer little thing. No, it's about 
joining in with the expansion of God's mission and his vision. And like you serve, you volunteer in the storyline of scripture. You don't volunteer at seven pits down road at Southridge Community Church. Like that would be way too small to capture my vision if I were you as a busy person. You serve the expanding mission of Jesus in this world. So Paul says again in verse 8, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And this is kind of crazy. We'll try to work through it fairly quickly. But here's the deal. He's actually quoting from Psalm 68, verse 18. Here's what Psalm 68, 18 says. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, may, might dwell there. So Paul, he's writing here, actually borrows something that was written all the way back here. Uh, David writes this, and in Psalm 68, here's what David is writing about. He's sort of metaphorically picturing God coming down and defeating his enemies. If you read Psalm 68, it talks about God blowing away those who oppose him like smoke. It's one of the metaphors in Psalm 68. God blows, and it's like blowing smoke away. That's how his enemies are removed. It talks about God marching through the wilderness. It talks about the chariots of God numbering thousands and thousands. So David writes this metaphor of God like metaphorically coming down, blowing his enemies away like smoke, running his... God doesn't have any physical chariots, but he, he uses that metaphor to picture God being on the move to destroy his enemies. Well, David wrote that, but little did he know that a thousand years after David wrote that, Jesus would literally come down. Like, it wouldn't be just metaphorical. Hey, God is metaphorically blowing his enemies away like smoke, or that he's walking through the wilderness. Jesus would actually literally come down. Now, another thing about here, um, when enemies would be defeated, uh, the, the spoils would then be taken and distributed among those who were in support of the king. And so Jesus comes down. He defeats Satan. Satan is is taken captive. He's disarmed. Remember, we looked at that in Revelation. He certainly still exists. His influence is still here. But he's disarmed. And Jesus ascends to heaven. And he actually gives gifts, or you might say the spoils of war, to those who are his followers, to continue the empowerment of his presence on earth. Just like in King David's day, the spoils would be taken. They would actually be used to empower the kingdom. Jesus comes, disarms Satan, takes captives captive, and distributes good gifts from his victory to his body to continue the extension and expansion of his cause. And does that make sense? It's an incredibly rich and powerful idea that Paul is communicating. Verse 9 and 10, Paul says, What does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower regions. Uh, probably simp- when he says the lower regions, probably simply means the earthly regions. Like God humbly came down and walked among us, humbly went, cro- went to the cross, was buried in the depths of the earth. So the, er- the earthly regions simply mean that God came here. 
Again, Paul is just maximizing on this thing that, that David back here said that metaphorically. He says that actually happened literally in Jesus. Jesus literally came down. He descended to this earth. And then he ascended. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. Listen to this. In order to fill the whole universe. Like he, he ascended in order for his work to continue through his body. He ascended so that his Holy Spirit could come and dwell his followers so that we could continue his presence and his, his life could be seen through us in this world. Listen, friends, that's mind-blowing. So when we serve one another, not just on a Sunday morning in an organized church service, but God has gifted you in unique ways to be his light, to be his servant seven days a week. You'll meet people that I'll never meet. You're in areas and disciplines of life that I'll never speak into. But you've been uniquely equipped by God to carry his influence into the world around you for God's kingdom, his purposes, his glory to be seen and expanded. It's an amazing vision, friends. Lastly, verses 11 and 12, and we'll come back to these uh, next week as well. So Christ himself gave the apostles and prophets the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be, here's two more capitalized words, built up. We had each one gave gifts, built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining, listen to this again, the whole measure of the fullness of God. Man, friends, when we finally recognize the uniqueness that, of God's kindness to us in gifting us in ways to influence for Christ's life to be seen in us, when we recognize the charisma, the gifts, the methods of service, the workings that we can do, we somehow contribute to it all being gloriously woven with God's divine presence. There's going to be another slide up here in the screens that, again, just portray the grandness of all this. Verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all, gloriously woven. Verse 10, in order to fill the whole universe, gloriously woven through the whole universe is the presence of Christ, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Listen, friends, when Jesus ascended, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit descended and filled us with the presence of Christ so that as, as Christ is lived through us, the whole universe is filled with the presence of Christ. That's an amazing vision. Well, this morning, as we mentioned, we're here to also celebrate Dave and Elaine Nay. So I'm going to ask Dave and Elaine to stand, and Steve Sheets, our vice chairman of our elder board, is going to come up, up here on the floor as well. I realize some of you probably have sight limitations from the balcony. If you want to shoot down to the lower seats, you'll probably have a better sight line on that if you'd like. Um, Dave and Elaine are both people whose lives have exemplified a Christ's presence living through them. 
And I can simply tell you this, they're absolutely faithful uh, to the church here on Sundays, other ministry times, but their home is also a place of service. Their home is also a place of faithfulness to Christ. Their home is also a place where the presence of Christ exists. Uh, Dave has been one of my closest friends for ever since I got here. When I, the very, very first Sunday I came and filled the pulpit here in the fall of 1996, I went for lunch to the Nace's home. And uh, I've ate many, many dinners around their table prepared by Elaine. Uh, when I show up, they got to make four times as much as they usually eat together. Um, I've had many, many meals around their table, too many to count. I've spent many, many hours up in Dave's upstairs office library just like praying with him. Uh, he knows probably more secrets about me than anybody in this room. And don't talk to him because I know secrets about him as well. <laughs> uh, Dave is... Uh, an incredibly authentic person, and we have literally shared the deepest level over many, many years, uh, decades, and so I'm deeply thankful for that. I've been familiar with um, his teaching in the public school and just his witness and his, his lifestyle before students. Uh, their home is a place where people are loved and cared for. Elaine is a person who hospitably makes someone feel at home, and graciously offers food. She's been um, served on our Extend Ministries team, missions team, for 35 years, uh, praying for missionaries, empowering the team to pray for missionaries. Dave has taught numerous classes and groups over the years. And so this morning, we're just thrilled to be able to say God's blessing upon them as they transition to live near their daughter down in Virginia. And I'm going to hand it over to Steve Sheets for him to make a couple of comments with Dave and Elaine. Yeah, thanks, Nathan. Uh, yeah, my name is Steve Sheets. I, I'm, I'm honored to serve in this church as well on the Elder Board and, and various other ways. And uh, it's, a, it's a huge honor today, uh, but also sadness to, to say goodbye to the Naces and uh, just say a few comments about them. Um, I, I'm 41 years old, and so I've never not known the Naces. I've known them as long as I've been alive. I'm afraid to ask if Elaine's ever changed my diaper. <laughs> uh, you, you don't have to answer that. Actually, you don't answer that. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't say this the first service, but just seeing, seeing uh, Dave and Elaine and uh, Elaine, you know, with, with your cane here, I think of the story, uh, I'm a bit of a history buff, so Dave will appreciate this, but uh, after the Revolutionary War, um, there was a bit of a, a rebellion among some of George Washington's troops because they weren't being paid their pension. And, and so they were, they were rebelling and they, they were, they were going to start this, this, this argument and say, we, we got to kind of fight to get our money. And so George Washington got on his horse and rode down to them and um, he took, took his speech out of his, his jacket and put on his, his spectacles and said, uh, you know, part of my spectacles, I've, I've grown, grown blind uh, in the service of my country. And his troops wept and, and left. And I think the same of you, you've, you've, you've given so much. You've, do I dare say, grown old in the service of the Lord and, and this church. And you know what? It's not a bad word to say old. It's not. It's a word. It's an honored word. And we're here to honor you today, both of you. You should be honored. 51 years of service. Um, 
apart from serving in obvious ways, like Nathan just mentioned, um, there's just the quiet example and influence you've been on um, this church. And, you know, just if I can say personally for my family, um, you know, we sit right up front here and they just sit right over there. We, we see you every single Sunday. My boys see what it looks like to be faithful people to this church. Uh, you don't come when it's convenient. Um, you don't come when it's, uh, you know, you're not feeling, you're, when you're feeling, you know, especially energetic, you come. So this Sunday, you come and you, you're with God's people. And that should be really an example to this entire church. Hopefully you've seen that. Um, you've seen it for some of our older elderly folk too. It's, it's something that's important for us to know. And um, I know you feel strongly about that as well. Um, the Bible says, stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. We revere God by honoring the elderly. And Dave already gave me permission to call him elderly, right? Dave, that's okay. Um, so if I could ask us, if, if you've served with Dave or Elaine, if you've been taught by them in, in a class, uh, if you've been touched by them, if you know them, if you love them, if you could stand right now and, and just show them the impact they've had on this congregation. Yeah. That's... that's that's what you call a legacy, Dave and Elaine, and we thank you for that. You've touched us. Yeah. We did get you something. Okay, you already know we did, but we, we got you something. Terry and Annie have been guarding it for me here. So we got you a brick, <laughs> what you have always wanted. Uh, this, this, we thought this would be special for you too because this is an actual physical part of the building. Um, I swear those cracks have always been there. <laughs> we, we, this actually came from the building. Uh, I was thinking none of our other elderly folks can leave because we can't do too many more of these without a problem. So Diane and Howard, you, you can't move. So just stay. <laughs> Uh, we can give you a piece of the carpet or something next time. But um, I just thought, you know, it, well, we all thought together, a few of us that know you really well, we thought, what, what would be meaningful? And I thought, if you could just take a piece of this church with you. We know you're going to miss this place terribly. It's been your home for 51 years, 50, uh, 52, right? 52 years. And just to be able to put your hand on something that is physical for the, of this place. You know, pictures are great. Memories are great. But... Um, I think it'll be nice to be able to take this to Virginia with you and just say, this was our home. This is our church. We'll never forget it. Uh, it's also on a piece of black walnut. Anyone who's been to Dave's basement knows he loves woodworking. So uh, it's, it's a piece of uh, northeastern black walnut filled in New Jersey. So um, hopefully you can take this and it'll be a meaningful reminder of this place to you both. So um, there is an inscription coming that unfortunately they didn't give us a ton of notice about them moving. So... <laughs> Yes, they didn't have it either. So there is an inscription. It's, it'll be here shortly, so I'll have to stick that on when we get it. But it says, Presented to Dave and Elaine Nace for over five decades of faithful service to the Lord and this local church. And then it has a Bible verse attached to it, too, that says, Psalm 127.1, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And the Lord has obviously used you to help build this house, this church. Um, we are a better congregation for you. 
I'm a better man for serving with you on the elder board and just interacting with you and Elaine, all that you've meant to my family. Nathan, I can assure you, is a better pastor uh, because of the friendship of Dave and Elaine. Um, and uh, just you saw everyone standing here and the, and the way you've touched them all. So well done for you to be honored. And we honor you here today. And um, I, I would just ask if uh, maybe you have one or two things you might want to say to the congregation, if you don't mind. Is that all right? Okay. Let's see if this works. service. <laughs> you can say it again. That's well, I just want to say um, I was privileged to serve with um, our missions team for 35 years. And um, it was a privilege. It, it is a privilege. And the most important thing I think I come away with was prayer. Prayer for our missionary team and for the people of this church. Um, it's so important. Uh, the people that are out serving are people that have gone out because we couldn't go where they're going. We couldn't do that job the way they're doing it because God called them to do that job, but he left us here to pray for them. And there are people here in this church that we need to be praying for, people that don't know the Lord, that, you, that we want to see come to Christ before, before we leave. There is one particular individual I'd like to see come before we leave, but that's in God's hands. And so, um, and I also want to pray for Steve's parents. Um, they've been at home for many years because of an accident and can't come out. Um, prayer. It's so important. So I just ask people to pray for, for the body. Um, that's all I can say. Just pray. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Yeah, several months ago, Elaine and I were talking, and uh, we were talking about church and uh, how oftentimes it seems to be just an option that people have. Um, but church isn't optional. It's not optional at all. We need to be involved in it on a daily, on a weekly basis. Need to be involved in it uh, with each other. We need to be here on a Sunday. Uh, that's, that's not optional. That's something that we have to do. And uh, so I would just encourage you to, uh, you know, commit yourself to the local church, to being involved in it and uh, serving in it and uh, participating in the services. All right, like Elaine said, I, I, um, I'd like to pray for them both before they leave. And um, if you would all, as a church, bow your heads and, um, and just pray to the Lord with me. Um, Lord, we're so honored and blessed by you to, to know this couple. Uh, you, you've blessed this church for the past 52 years with with their service and their presence, their faithful and, and steady presence, Lord. And um, thank you for an example uh, in, in two people, just in terms of um, the way they've served others, their marriage, um, their faithfulness to each other and to you, Lord. What a blessing it's been to know them, Lord. We're sad that they're moving, 
But Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength and energy to, to make this move. Lord, get down to Virginia, get settled in, um, become part of a, a local body there where they can have the same influence they've had on our church here, Lord. Pray that you would be with them through this time. We know it's, it's hard. We know it's going to take a lot of effort, Lord. Um, let us as a church rally around them as much as we need to until that move happens, Lord. And Lord, just, just give them the strength and encouragement they need. We thank you again for, the, for just blessing us with David and Elaine. Um, we love them so much, Lord, and we know you love them even more. In your name, amen. Yeah, as we stand together, why don't you just celebrate them one more time? be a few minutes over this morning, but we're going to sing, uh, Be Thou My Vision, because I know that's what uh, in, is in Dave and Elaine's heart, and may it be in ours as well. Let's sing this song together.
thank you that we are part of your people that your life lives through us and through us your presence fills the universe you are over all through on and all may we give ourselves to your cause and your purposes we ask that and everyone who agreed said and when you leave, there's two stations out in the foyer to write notes to Dave and Elaine. I think there's some, still some pastries out there. God bless. Have a wonderful day.